in the other three Gospels, in the way that it reveals Jesus, who Jesus is, what he does. And a lot of what we've read so far in, John, in the book of John is John the Baptist's account explaining who Jesus is, recognizing Jesus. And John explained early on in chapter 1 that he baptized with water, but Jesus would baptize in what? Spirit. Last week we discussed what it meant to be born again and that upon accepting Jesus Christ, it is the Spirit of God that brings life to your spirit. That is where that new birth starts. Amen. Think about it for just a moment. Up to that time in history, where uh, up to the point where Jesus Christ came to the earth, no one on the face of the earth had ever been born again. Because Jesus does that. So up to that point in history, no one had experienced that. So an accepting of Jesus Christ, it births, it brings life to the Spirit of God inside of us. We have seen Jesus' first miracle at the wedding. And now in John chapter 3, John the Baptist's disciples, they're having trouble wrapping their minds around who Jesus is and what makes him so much more special than John. John had previously stated that he was the Messiah, and he, he also stated he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Another statement John the Baptist made, he said he would baptize people in the Holy Spirit, and he also stated he was the chosen one of God. Jesus didn't say this. John the Baptist said this about Jesus. And he recognized, and it was revealed to him, who Jesus was. So today, what we're going to read, we are also going to read words of John the Baptist this morning, and he, he makes it so clear what separates Jesus from him. Now, before we begin, I'd like to talk to you about what I call witness testimony. You guys have heard those phrases before, right? Witness testimony. You know, I am the son of a career police officer, the husband of a wife who solely watches murder mysteries, and I think she's plotting my death. I'm not sure why she watches so much, but I know from her watching all these murder mystery shows and my dad being a career police officer that witness testimony is best taken right after the incident occurs. And there is no point in taking any witness testimony from someone, oh, I heard it from another individual. It's, that's a waste of time for any investigator. And so you know those people that say, well, well, I heard about it. Let me tell you what I heard. And you know how if in that game of telephone, the message gets changed that by the time it gets to the end of the, the last person, the message is completely different than it was at the very beginning. And I am telling you, it is useless to go to a witness three months later whose statement has changed and say, okay, I'd like to hear what you have to say now. And, and it'd be completely different than what they originally witnessed unless they were gaining something out of it. Now, I believe something that John is going to teach us this morning, there is no better witness testimony to who God is than Jesus Christ himself. He has seen it. He has been a part of it since the beginning. He has known it, and now he is at the earth. He is here in the earth to proclaim it. So if you want to know who God is, seek the Son. 
You want to know who God is? Seek the Son. He heard from God the Father continually. He had access to God the Father. And John the Baptist, he knew that he was limited in the access that he had. But Jesus Christ, something he says today, it's one verse particularly we're going to focus on. Jesus Christ had full access to God. So we're going to discuss that today as you turn your Bibles to John chapter 3, verses 23 through 36. This sermon is titled, Without Limit. And you will see those words appear later on in this section of Scripture. But we're going to read John chapter 3, verses 23 through 36. It says, At this time John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water there. The people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. For he, sent, he is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. And anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. As I was meditating on this scripture, I could probably do an eight-week series just on this section. And I'm sitting there, I'm wrestling with God. I'm like, God, I, I don't know where to begin. I, I'd like to talk about this. I'd like to talk about this. I'd like to talk about this. Because what we're seeing is we're seeing a clear statement from John the Baptist that's saying, hey, I, I can tell you about God, but why are you coming to me when he's here? Because he knows everything about God. And the greatest statement that I think John could make was there in verse 34. He said, for he is sent by God, he speaks God's word, for God gives him the spirit without limit. Up to that point in time, there was limitations on others. 
They were limited with what they could do and the access that they had to God, especially in the Spirit. And there are many things we can learn from this one sentence. Jesus was not limited by the access and the full power of the Holy Spirit, but everyone else had been up to that point. We know others in the Old Testament used and had access to the power of the Holy Spirit. If you were to look at Samson in Judges chapters 6 and 7, Samson was anointed, but the manifestation of the Spirit was only demonstrated in his physical power. Samson did not live a life that I would recommend modeling your life after. There was also no other aspects of the Holy Spirit that were apparent in his life. I encourage you to study him sometime. Elijah was anointed. He performed signs and wonders, but we never read about Elijah's prophetic insights. Elijah never prophesied about Christ to our knowledge. He had the Spirit, but he had it in measure. He had the Spirit in might and power. The prophet Isaiah was filled with the Spirit. He prophesied about Christ. But you never heard about miracles and signs Isaiah performed. The Spirit was operating in him principally as the Spirit of wisdom, revealing the depths of God. He was not used in power with the full operation of the Holy Spirit. These that I mention here, anointed in the Old Testament, they did not have the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling in them in fullness because they were not born of the Spirit. I need to go back to what I stated at the very beginning of this, that that up until Jesus Christ had come, no one had been born again. It was going to be through Jesus Christ that we would become born again, and then all of a sudden that would bring life to our spirit. Amen. I know these are some some difficult thoughts, but we're going to get through them. And Jesus did not have the Spirit in measure, but in full. The totality of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit was in Jesus Christ, so Jesus Christ had access to the Holy Spirit at all times. We're going somewhere, guys. Be patient with me. And so Jesus also, he had full use of the gifts of the Spirit. And so what Jesus gave them through his ministry, it wasn't just a glimpse or an inkling of what God could do. It was the Spirit's power was manifested to the full through Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I want to say, what does the Spirit of God look like to the full? I want to see what that fullness looks like. You know, the Apostle Paul listed the gifts of the Spirit that manifest in the believer that is filled with the Spirit. I want to read those for you pretty quick. We're going to go through them. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. It says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. 
To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and the only Spirit who distributes all these gifts He alone decides which gift each person should have. This only gives a small, if we're to pie graph out everything that the Holy Spirit is, this is just a sliver. This is just a slice at Baker Square. Wait, are Baker Squares around anymore? Yeah, Perkins, Village Inn, sorry. Chocolate cream, guys. I like chocolate cream. Um... Also, the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit should be produced to the fullness in in our lives as well as it was Jesus. Listen to the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Jesus operated in ministry by having complete communion with God the Father because of the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. Listen to John chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. It says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. These are just some of the functions of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus Christ being the the one who had no limit when it came to access to God through the Holy Spirit, it displays to a world the divinity of Jesus Christ and that he is God. No one could do what he did. He was one of a kind, and the only way anyone can now do what he did is through him. Are you guys hearing me? Through his life, the Holy Spirit was released to those who would believe and call on his name. And now, because of the work of Jesus Christ, that same Holy Spirit has been released to the world. See, at that time, Jesus was walking on earth. Mankind only understood and, and knew the presence of God as far as it's concerned in, in, in regards to the temple, in, in the Holy of Holies. In fact, I, I, I want to read for you Leviticus chapter 16 too. I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you. It has great purpose for later on. So the Lord said to Moses, warn your brother Aaron not to enter the most holy place behind the inner curtain whenever he chooses. If he does, he will die. For the ark's cover, the place of atonement is there. And I myself am present in the cloud above the atonement cover. So what we do, what what we learn from this scripture is this has been universally recognized as the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit represent inside the most holy place of the temple. And you want to know what held him back was a curtain 
We've discussed that the previous few weeks, that the priest could only go in there one day a year on the Day of Atonement, and they better have everything in order, because if they did not, they had a rope tied to their leg, that if they would die in the presence of God because they had sin in their life, they could be pulled back out. The thing that concealed the Spirit of God was a curtain. Now Jesus Christ, part of the Godhead, had the Holy Spirit in his life to the full. And now what John the Baptist is doing, he's coming around telling people that through Jesus, we're going to be baptized into the Spirit. Jesus also speaks in John 14 and 16 and Acts chapter 1 verse 8 about leaving them the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is going to be with you. I want to read for you John 14, 15 through 17. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Check this out. It was part of the plan of God that the, his power, his ultimate power would be revealed to the world through his son, Jesus Christ, because by no other means can you gain access to the Spirit or God the Father than Jesus Christ. And we receive that Spirit of God through Jesus' finished work on the cross. In fact, I've got Scripture that backs that up too. And I know I'm throwing a lot of Scripture at you, but I, I told you I'm going somewhere. The very act of Jesus' shed blood and the finished work is what ushered in the personal connection with the Spirit of God. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 50 through 51, Jesus has been crucified. He's hanging out there on the cross, about to breathe his last breath. And it says, Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain, everyone say curtain. The curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart. That curtain was separated. That's what separated people from the Spirit of God. And when Jesus' finished work was on the cross, it split the curtain down in two. Aren't you thankful for that church? I don't know about you, but I am reading of a God who loves me and through his son, Jesus Christ, I can have a personal connection with him and not just a personal connection, but the spirit of God can flow through my life and I can have God's power manifest inside of me as a witness to others. That's what I read. Now you and I have the same access to the Holy Spirit. In Colossians 2, chapters, or chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, listen to this. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete. Everyone say complete. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is head over every ruler and authority. 
our world has difficulty grasping the Spirit of God. But the Spirit of God, when it was released, it was designed that hearts would be drawn unto Him. That people would start to understand and, and have these desires for something more in their life. And that is Jesus Christ. And it bears, the Holy Spirit bears witness to that. And so upon us choosing to accept Jesus Christ and being born again of the Spirit, He begins, the Holy Spirit begins to change us, begins to mold us, and in time fills us. Because where I really want to go with all this, you and I have an opportunity to receive the fullness of God through His Holy Spirit without limit because of Jesus Christ. I want to make this very clear because I am living in a nation that we are the type of people that we give so much little attention to the things of the Spirit because we want the things that are tangible. We want the things that appear good, that feel good, that tell people that God is with us. And we do that by our great buildings and how impressive we can make them. And, and by the sizes of our ministries or how many people we've reached for Christ. And we're not doing it in power because I am telling you, when everything is done through the view of what the United States has done, it's a system, our church system, is built to collapse. And the reason it's built to collapse is because it was not built on the back of God and his word and his truth and the power of his might. It was built on the backs of, look what I did. That's not okay. It's not okay. And so I believe what God is doing is he is calling the church to have this renewed relationship with him through his Holy Spirit that we might be people of the Spirit, living in the fullness of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit daily so that others can come to know him too the same way. I'm going to tell you something I'm tired of. I'm tired of seeing people's patterns. They accept Jesus Christ and patterns not changing. It's the same thing over and over and over again. You know, the world has those systems too. It does. You're an alcoholic, there's a program out there for you just like that. And you know what? Chances are it's, you're going to get trapped in the cycle. The church has people full of sin getting trapped in the cycle. It's because what we've done is we've pushed the Spirit of God aside. The person, the Spirit of God, pushed him aside and saying, well, well I, I want to believe all that, and you know what, I, I'll, I'll even accept the Word of God as truth. But i got to tell you, I'm pretty comfortable with my life. I like my life. There are things in this world that I want to attain, places I want to go. And so what we are doing, in essence, is we are pushing the Spirit of God aside when we don't even realize it. Because let me tell you, the Spirit of God responds by our obedience. And the impact the Holy Spirit can make on your life to become more like Jesus is immeasurable. 
Because Jesus even promised, if you were to read in Mark chapter 16, Jesus even promised that you will do greater things. And i got to be honest, church, I'm not seeing it. So what we have here is a real problem. And the problem is that we are not seeking the Spirit of God to change us and use us like he ought. Listen to John 16, 18 through 19. Listen to this promise Jesus gives you and I. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. I want to focus on one word there. Orphans. I will not abandon you as orphans. Do you know I believe in the U.S.? We have broken people that have the same spirit of being orphaned. They might not be orphans in the physical sense of the word and the way we understand it but they're living their life broken like orphans. Maybe they have been abandoned by their parents, either one parent or both. Maybe they have given themselves over to anxiety, depression, alcohol, drug abuse, sexual promiscuity. People searching for something that will fix the brokenness in their lives. But we have a God that sends his spirit and can reside in you to give you comfort and not make you feel abandoned, not make you feel like an orphan, but truly walk alongside you in life. But many people are doing it on their own accord. And I am telling you, it is up to you to open up the door for that invitation that God walks with you daily. And until you do, I don't think you can experience full salvation. You gotta say, God, I'm all about you and your son, Jesus Christ. I believe. See, there's many people, I said this in Sunday school, there's many people that think they know who Jesus is. They don't believe in him. They don't believe in him. There are people that go to churches all over in this country that are there because they think they know who Jesus is but the patterns of their life would show you they don't believe in him. But the Spirit of God is calling his people to get serious, to walk in the fullness of his Spirit without limit. And as he is drawing you unto himself and revealing in you who God is, who you can be with God, he is going to give you the power to walk away from the very things that might be pulling you down right now. I talked about that anxiety, that depression, all those sin nature things. The Spirit of God can do that. So often we're like, well, pastor, don't you have a class for that? Maybe 12 steps on how I can become a better human being. And, you know, yeah, there, there's a book at Walmart right now you can go buy it on the shelf. It's got a pastor's signature on it, so you can go buy that. But I am telling you that, yeah, there are those programs out there. And, yeah, you could do that. But what you're going to start patenting your life out there after is worldly thought. 
the way the world works, the way the world thinks. And I am telling you that we have a spirit of God that can reside within us, that can walk with us, that can help us transition out of a life of sin and into the fullness of his spirit. You guys hearing me? Something else I know about the Spirit of God is He can also fill you in power. Jesus told us that. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God wants to use you in power to show the world the greatness of His Son. And you and I, we're still wrestling with the early, immature parts of our faith where we're seeking the Spirit of God at all. And some of us, we've been, we've been raised in church. We've, we've, had the, we've had the Pentecostal experience. We understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And we, we, uh, we were talking about this in Sunday school this morning too. Sunday school is good. You should be a part of it if you're not. Um, and anyways, there, we, we, we said, if you took the gifts of the Spirit and put it on a pie chart, there's pie again, it would only be a small sliver There's so much more to the Spirit of God. And you and I need to seek Him to the full because He's available. He's available. And what that means for us is being honest with our walk, being honest with our sin, confessing it to one another, as it tells us in James chapter 5. And I'm telling you, that don't, don't think that I'm going to then expect a perfect Christian because I, I know humanity, right? I know me, myself. I'm not saying I expect you to be perfect, but I'm telling you that if we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, we are going to find that as long as we keep making those steps, as long as we keep seeking the Spirit of God and being obedient to what He asks us to do, and that might mean letting go of some stuff in your life so that you can become more like Him, then I'm going to tell you, you are going to be a lot further down the road than most people. And if you slip up, We have a loving God who's going to come alongside you and through his Holy Spirit remind you who you were called to be. And he's not going to forsake or take back what he's gifted inside of you. See, you and I have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to seek God, to walk in power, and trust and know that he's going to use us. And I am telling you that if you've slipped and fallen, he's not going to just take it away. Romans 11, 29 says, for his gifts and calling are irrevocable. He's not going to take it back. He wants you to have it. He wants to use you in full. He wants to speak to you. He wants to lead and guide you through all things. But he cannot do that when you keep a barrier between you and him. God, it's okay. It's okay for you to Speak to me about this. I I know I need to work on that. God, that's off limits. No, you can't have that part. That's mine. We do that. 
We do that with our actions. We do that by our choices. We want to say, God, you know, Sundays are great. I love to worship you on Sundays until it's hunting season. Come on. Come on, though. Like, I can, I, guys, I can go much further. I, I picked something easy because I know, I know all the guys that hunt in here, and they're here on Sundays, so. But what barriers do we put in place where we say, God, you can have it all? Oh, oh, not that. Not that either. And then if you were to examine every place that you don't take God in your life or open the door to him in, you're going to find it's a lot less that you let him in than what you don't. He wants all of you. And when you surrender, he's going to pour out all that he has. And I am encouraging you guys to seek the Spirit of God he wants to move upon the church of the United States. Guys, I travel the world. And I'm telling you, I'm seeing a church that is thriving and alive and around the world. And then I come back here and I see people that are acting as orphans. Abandoned. Jesus goes on to say, do you know in John chapter 16, Jesus says, it is better that I go so that you have the Holy Spirit. He knows that His Spirit can pour out on everybody. He's only one man and He can only be so many places when He's here on the earth. But when His Spirit is released, everyone can have an opportunity to be communing with God. And I'm going to tell you the most important thing that you can pull out of this is that the Spirit of God wants to be alive and active in your life. Are you going to let Him be? Are you, going to, are you going to say, God, I recognize what your son did. Lord, I recognize that I can be born of the Spirit and then I can be about the things of the Spirit and not the flesh. Guys, I'm telling you, I've never read the book of John like this before. I've never read it in a way where I understand it like I do today. To where I see God wants you and I to be people of the Spirit, not the flesh. And God sent His Son so that you don't have to be of the flesh anymore. But you can allow the Spirit of God living inside you to lead, guide, direct, help you with your choices, convict you when you've done wrong, move in power when you witness to other people that don't know God's love. And the only thing stopping God from doing that is you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I gotta tell you, at times when I preach, 
I'm preaching to myself more than I'm preaching to you. And I was wrestling with my own convictions and thinking, I, I, Lord, I don't know who all this is for. But today I'm asking you, if you want to be without limit, if you want that full access to the Spirit of God, and you're wanting to remove barriers in your life, saying, God, I'm open to what you want to do. I want, I'm inviting your Holy Spirit into the full. If you want to respond in such a manner, I ask that you stand. doesn't want to come back and find a church that's dead, that's on life support. God wants to come back to find a church that is living, full of His Spirit, vibrant, doing His work. And I would tell you that if I want to change my world, if I want this world to seek revival, my country's got to change first. If I want my country to change, we got to see our state change first. If we want our state to change, we got to see our city change first. If we want to change our city, we have to see our church change. If we want our church to change, we have to change. And so it starts by this personal revival inside because it is so easy to look at someone else and say, man, I just wish they'd bring it. I wish they'd bring revival. I wish they'd step up. I wish they'd start doing this in the church and doing this. What great works they could do. Instead, I think it's time for us to start looking in the mirror and saying, God, what great works you can do through that person. Let's lift our hands to him. Father God, Lord, stir hearts. Stir hearts right now, God. Lord, as your word says in Ezekiel chapter 36, that you are going to take these stony hearts, God, and you are going to make them hearts of flesh. You are going to break them down. And God, we have been, we, we have seen false gospel in front of our faces. And God, I pray that we will recognize exactly who you say you are in your word. And God, anything we have built up in our life that is false about you will be torn down right now. God, we want you for who you say you are in your word and what you can be in our lives as your word says. So God, we surrender under you right now. Lord, stir hearts by your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you will uproot the things that we have held on to that need to be, need to be burned, Lord. Things that need to be destroyed so that, God, we can move forward the way you call us as children to move forward. 
God, I believe that you are wanting to do great and mighty things through your church. And Lord, I pray that you will stir our hearts for a reviving of our church, of this nation, God. Lord, a time is coming so soon where you're going to be returning for your people. And God, may we have done everything we could Lord, I want to pray specifically for those who are here that have felt orphaned. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come upon them. And they will be able to see and know, God, why it is so much better that your Son go to be with you in heaven. And that, God, your Spirit is released on all people. That, Lord, we can walk side by side with you. And not only that, God, but you can be inside of us to the full. Lord, we just open the door for your spirit to fill us. Challenge us, God. Impart your gifts upon your church so we might function as the true bride of Christ as was explained by John the Baptist this morning in your word. Lord, I thank you. And God, I pray that we will have the strength to stand on your word. And it's truth that any time Satan comes against us and tries to remind us of who we have been, we will acknowledge the work that Christ has done and stand on that and not be defeated. God, you're going to be changing hearts and minds. And Lord, I believe you're wanting to do some very special things in our church here in the coming months. And God, this is just the start. May we be ready.